You're listening to the Stain and Seal Experts Podcast, where you'll get educated, get more money, grow your business, and kick the nine to five. Here is your host, an entrepreneur and mastermind behind the Stain and Seal Experts brand, Caleb Roth. Good morning. This is the Stain and Seal Experts Podcast, and I'm joined today with Buddy Smith from uh, Classic Stain and Seal over in, you're in Charlotte. Is that yes, what you, you identify as Charlotte? Yeah, the greater, greater Charlotte. Greater Charlotte area. Awesome. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, my name's Caleb Roth. I'm the host today uh, of the Stain and Seal Experts mm-hmm. podcast. I want to do something different today. I want to do more of a conversation, um, a conversation rather than just a, a big interview and ask a bunch of questions because um, you and I have something in common and I want to talk about it and maybe we'll inspire somebody else. Definitely. It worked. Yes, sir. So many of you know or don't know, but uh, Buddy Smith and your wife, is that, that correct, Casey? Yes, sir. Uh, own and started not too long ago, actually, Classic Stain and Seal. How, how many years has it been now? September 1st of 2020, so going on two and a half years. Yeah, so uh, a relatively short amount of time. You've gone from, uh, you were a police officer before. Mm-hmm. 10 years, then retired out of Plano, Texas. Yep. And then, uh, and then, and started the stain business and moved across the country to North Carolina. So basically started from scratch mm-hmm. and now it is, uh, it's eight, well, it's nine thirty-five your time and the sun's shining. It's a beautiful day there. Why aren't you out staining today? Well, uh, I got some guys I can trust to go do the job, which is nice. Um, <clears throat> it's taken me quite a while to get here. Um, it would, and I still don't get to do this every day. Um, there's certain days that I need to be there with the guys that they have great skills. They have the knowledge, but not always the capability to get it done in a quick and efficient manner. Um, but for the most part, they're out on a deck right now out in Clover, South Carolina, that we cleaned last week um, in Brighton and all that fun stuff. And they're up today staying in that. They got to do it all by hand because there's no <laughs> there's no uh, access to it so you got going up by ladder and all that fun stuff but um they uh they do a very good job and in roberto um so i can't complain with them <laughs> they do awesome work they show up every day um if they don't show up every day they actually have a good reason to not show up and they let me know the day or two before sometimes weeks ahead if they need a vacation yeah that's awesome so it sounds like it's just something real simple like good people mm-hmm. it's the better the better you treat your workers, the better they're going to work for you. <laughs> so I did, they, did you know that they were I mean, did these so your guys, I think mm-hmm. that's a big, a big issue with, with a lot of people is not knowing how to hire who to hire. When you hired them, what were your first initial thoughts of? Because um, because um, obviously they didn't they didn't probably come up hung over and bugged out eyes out of their head and said, Hey, I'm the best stain guy forever. You know, they probably came to you some way. So how did that hiring process work? So Andy, um, I met him on a a softball team that we play. I played on, on Tuesday nights and he was looking for a job and I was looking for a guy and I was like, this guy could, I mean, it's not hard to do. I can teach him. So he started work with me and uh, he caught on real quick, um, taught him how to be a good helper first. Um, before I even let them touch a wand just for the sole purpose of if you don't know how to be a good helper, you're not going to look at when you're staining the past area of what you're trying to protect. 
So um, Mark Abelson, when I uh, when he taught me for about I was like four or six months every Friday, he taught me how to be a good helper first and what to watch for. And once I learned that, it's a whole lot easier to stain because you have a lot better control of the wand and the gun and you see things. So once he did that, I started letting him do more staining. Um, at first, I let him stain the backsides of things. Um, that way, less less overspray that can get on stuff. And then also, if it's a little bit messed up, I can go back with extra stain and fix it, which is the beauty of expert stain seal. So... Um, I made sure that he had it down and then now he goes out he's the foreman and him and Roberto go out and they start in the morning. Um, I usually get to go do a couple quotes in the morning and then meet them up halfway through the day, check on their work. If they need anything like they just text me about an hour ago. Hey, when you come out today, can you bring some waters? So yeah, I'll go, go by Lowe's or Home Depot and grab a pack of waters for them. Um, little things like that. Um, go a long way with wanting to keep people. Andy's been with me for a year and a few months now. Loves working with me. Um, great kid. He's 21. He's got a lot of potential to keep going. Um, Roberto, he used to build fence and it kind of slowed down a little bit for him. He has to work for me. And uh, I said, yeah, come on. <laughs> he does great work. Very, They're both attention to detail oriented. And that, that's one of the main things I looked at when I was like, giving them their trial run to see if they're actually going to look at the small things. If you miss a little spot underneath the bottom runner, are they going to go back and do it? Like, oh, it's okay. No one's going to see it. So that was my, that's one of my biggest things when I was hiring is looking at attention to detail, if they're going to pay attention and stuff. Yeah. So it seems, it seems like maybe speed is less important than detail, mm -hmm. but both are important. That's awesome. So, so what was it like? How did, how did you know when you didn't have to be on the job anymore? Uh, when I was on the job and they did everything, I mean, that was really what it is. They're like, all right, Hey, you need to go do some quotes. Go got it. I'm like, all right, cool. <laughs> um, and there's part of me too, that was letting trial and error happen a few times where I'm like, I guess I'm not going to be there this morning and just see how they handled it when I was close by, if they needed me. Um, so it's kind of letting that, letting that tethered rope go just a little bit farther and farther and farther. Like right now they're an hour away from where I live. So, I mean, that's a lot of trust to put someone in, in your business to make sure your name is not being diminished as a company and your quality stays up. So that, to me, that's probably the best thing I can recommend is making sure people are attention detailed for that part. So your company stays strong. I love it, man. And that's, that's kind of the same path I used to take. I would, I would, uh, I would sit in the truck a lot of time and do estimates or work on, on quotes or emails while the, while the crews were going, or I would, I would go out and try to sell something else mm -hmm. and, uh, it seems to work. So, so what are you doing? Are you doing anything to keep developing your guys to make them better or to anything, any, is there any goals set for the future for the guys or anything like that? Um, the goals, for Andy are to basically, if I get another crew going to manage them, um, he kind of does all the managing now with Roberto. Roberto is very self managed himself, but he's only been with me for about a month. So he's learning pretty well. He will learn quick. We gave, I, my thing I did with him, we had a fence that was wide open 
And Andy just handed him the wand and said, figure it out. <laughs> and he took it and figured it out real quick. Um, he loves to, sorry, I about unplugged my computer. Um, he loves to do work. He loves showing up. My guys show up about 15 minutes early. Um, they, we start at eight, so they're about there, 740, 745. I send them the list that needs to be on the trailer and the truck. They load it up and they go, and then I meet them up afterwards. I don't have to sit there and hold their hand. They, they're very self-sufficient. So that's a huge blessing. I like it. I've got a question about your start time. So you start at eight. What, why eight and not nine or not seven or not six? Um, we are located about 20 to 30 minutes outside of Charlotte, um, where our lot is that we keep all of our equipment in Midland. And, uh, so by the time everything gets loaded, they get to the job about 8.30 to 9.30 in between there, depending on where they're going. Uh, if we start at 9, they wouldn't get to the job till about 10, 9.30, 10, maybe 10.30. So you you lose so much hours in the day, especially in the summer where it's cooler. In the, in the morning hours, they want to get more done. Um, so that's the other part of it. The other part is too, is I'm very concerned with them being able to spend time with their family in the evening. We started at nine or 10, they're working until five, six, sometimes seven. Um, and I don't want them to miss out on family because to me, family is the most important part. Yeah. Um, if you're gonna, if, if you put work over family, I think you need to check your priorities. Um, I mean, there's gonna be days when you have long days. We did last, right before Thanksgiving, we did, 3,500 feet of fence for an HOA. And it was, it was tough because <laughs> one, it was, we had to use Lexington brown paint. So there's a lot more moving and mixing and back brushing than there really is in an oil base. Um, the only good thing is the overspray was kind of a little lower because it was a, it was a wannabe shadow box looking fence. So it would just fall to the ground. So that's, that was the bonus. I mean, take what you get. Um, and they're just trying to save their fence for another look good for another two years, basically, before they had to replace it all. Um, but we worked a couple nights. We worked till six, seven o'clock at night trying to finish this job before Thanksgiving, just for the sole purpose of they could have the Thanksgiving break off and we didn't have to. So there's times we took sacrifices like that. But for the most part, the guys are done between they get their 745. They're done about 345, 430 heading home. They're home by 435 o'clock which is awesome for them because they don't miss dinner with their families. They can actually go do stuff in the evening with friends and stuff like that. So that's why we start early. Yeah. We got a similar schedule seven to three 30. Mm -hmm. I like it. We love the three 30. We even, we even changed our office. So, you know, if you come in at seven, go home at three 30. If you, um, if you start at eight, go home at four, four 30. If you, yeah, that's the thing, you know, I was looking, I was, I'm glad you mentioned that because my mother, she worked so many hours uh, growing up as a kid, and so did my dad. And I just mm -hmm. think if if uh, if I was my mom's boss when I was a kid, what would I have wanted? And I would have wanted my mom to come home at three mm -hmm. three thirty, something like that. So, so some some old wise man mm -hmm. told me uh, they'll never get that time back. So I said, you know what, we're gonna make a change. I think that's important. Yeah, I think that's very important. So. Hmm. Tell us about your trucks, man. I know there's some guys listening that don't know you. What what kind of setup are you guys running? Y'all run a truck and trailer or vans or what do you do? Yeah, we run a truck and trailer. We got a 12 by 6 covered trailer. Um, have some shelves we built into it. Um, a little 
box area to put all our stain and tools in and all the fun stuff. Um, and it has some tie downs for our machine. We run a Titan 6900. That was the one you told me to get um, when I first started. Because if you're going to go big, go bigger right away. Um, and it works. Um, it paid for itself in less than a month uh, of staining. It, it's so much easier having a gas-powered machine that can that's mobile. You can roll out and got a hundred feet of fit, or hundred feet of hose on it with quick connects, and then it just you got two hundred feet one way, and usually you only have to move it once, maybe twice, depending on how big a fence it is. Um, I just I like the concept of keeping it in the truck. But where I'm at, sometimes you, their driveways are so long. I don't want to. I don't want to be on their driveways with a trailer, and then something spill and get all over their driveways. And then, I mean, it hasn't happened yet, but <laughs> it's bound to happen one day. Um, and then I'm out there pressure washing their whole driveway with heat and sodium hydroxide and all that fun stuff, trying to get it out and make sure it doesn't leave any marks. So I, that was that's why I don't keep mine in the truck in the trailer. I like to keep it out where it's in the grass or something you can put underneath that's not over concrete. Um, and then the other thing is I probably need about four to 500 feet of, of hose sometimes for the fences I do. Uh, we just did 29 feet, 2,900 feet, 2,800 feet of farm fence. Um, we did it in a color of mix of slate and black that I like to call dark weather gray. Came out really good. It's not black, but it's not gray. Um, it almost in the farm out there, if you look at it, it, you see it, but you don't see it. It's kind of disappearing. So um, we kind of came up with that to help her because she didn't want straight black, but she didn't want the slate going in between. So did the custom color of that. And if we would have had to keep it in our trailer or our truck, there's no way we would have been able to drive around because some parts were muddy um, and truck and trailer would have got stuck. Um, cause we run a flatbed truck, um, as well. That way, if we do have to do a bunch of stain that doesn't fit, we can tie it down and put up, uh, guardrails on the truck while we're driving. Like there's sometimes we take 20 buckets of stain to places, um, especially towards the fall. Awesome. Can I give you a resource that you may not have known you had for that, for that kind of job? What's that? So first I'm going to ask, is your flatbed four wheel drive? No. Okay. It doesn't matter. Most fence painters don't drive four wheel drive trucks. So a lot of the fence painters up in Kentucky, they'll take their flatbed, they'll put the, the sprayer on the mm -hmm. flatbed and they'll run 55 gallon drums. And, and yeah, we, can, we can provide those for you. But the, the beautiful thing about it is, is you can run 50 or 100 foot of hose. You could run two guns off your 6900 and you can mm -hmm. paint, paint a lot of farm fence with two guns like that. Um, oh, yeah. You probably already know that, but usually what I tell people is generally speaking in my experience from paint, painting farm fences, a hundred foot of hose will get you to most places if, yeah. if it's wet. Cause you know, most, most muddy areas aren't wet for 500 feet. It's just a spot or two. So especially when it's dry out, but, but that's, that might work for the future. Yeah. Tommy, we got uh, four by four. <laughs> I got, I got the F two fifty four by four, good old Ford. The only truck anyone should drive. Yeah. But uh, um man's truck. Yeah, real man's truck. Um but we, we're uh, busy, buddy. We don't have time <laughs> to be fixing broke down trucks. That's what we do. Exactly. It's just a I don't want them breaking in half. Economics, yeah. I like my transmission in one piece. Yeah. Um, that's it. But uh do you um, do you guys run two guns on your on most of your jobs? 
No. Um, there's sometimes we do, but for the most part, we're running one. That way we have people water masking and taping things off and moving. So we use a, we either use a 621 or a 1223 tip. And so they move pretty fast with one guy. Um, that way, because if we have two guns, sometimes it, if we're right beside each other, they get and their one's going one or the other, they kind of get on top of each other and then they're missing stuff because they don't want to get hit with overspray or something. Yeah. Um, so it could be faster. Like now, when we go do a farm fence and it's not windy, we'll have two guns out there. Um, and sometimes I got the I got that Graco X5 as well that I'll use, and then they can start on one side and with the with a uh, generator and they'll meet in the middle sort of thing. That way they're not on top of each other. Um, but for the most part, we're running one gun just for the smoothness of it. Smooth is fast, fast is smooth. Um, so the smoother they go, the faster they go. The less they have to worry about overspray because one guy, if they're out there, they can either have a, hold a cardboard on top while they're doing the tops or something like that, not having to worry about overspray very much. Um, but at the same time, two guns would be nice. You got three guys out there, but when there's two guys, it just makes it in for us. It's just simpler to have one gun going, not tangling up each other's, um, uh, hoses and such. Yeah. For, for us, it's kind of the same way. We're generally one or two man crews and a lot of one man crews for us, but we get, um, one, but one thing that we do is we, we run a, we run the 8,900 Titan sprayers. Mm -hmm. uh, 69 is pretty much the same thing. It's just a little, little smaller, tiny bit smaller, but we run the big hose, like the three eighths airless mm -hmm. hose for 250 feet. And then we put a quick connect and then we hook in a uh, the little quarter inch blue hose. And, um, but we have a splitter in our truck so we can right there where that three eighths and quarter inch hose meets, we can put a splitter right there and then run a second gun off of the same hose. Oh, that's um, nice. And, and so then you got two fifty foot sections. So your guns are a hundred feet apart. So you can, you can stagger, which is actually pretty nice. If you got, you know, 500 foot of privacy fence where there's a lot of cleanup around the house, but once you get that done, you can move yeah. on. It's pretty handy for that. Hey guys, I want to take a quick break to thank you for listening to the show and to remind you that the best thing you can do for the show is to share it. It is free. It doesn't cost any money to share and to like the show. So please leave us a five-star review to help us to get better ratings in the uh, places that you listen to podcasts. Also, I wanted to give a shout out to the United Kingdom. Expert Wood Care is now available at Manchester Deck Company and Pure Seal Services and woodcareuk.co.uk. So super excited about that. If you're looking for wood care in the UK, hit them up. Back to the show. We've been running into lately, all these new fences are being put over. They're moving up from the back of the house a little bit. So they're kind of like halfway in the house inside of being built off the back corner on some of them. And they're running over uh, a lot of concrete. So we're running waters like crazy. And so that's an, that's a, one of the other reasons we're wiping the bottoms and running water and Dawn dish soap to keep it from sticking. And so one guy's usually doing that while the other one's spraying the backsides. Do you guys, um, so you come from Texas, so I know you've learned the water trick on the brick houses and stuff. Do you, do you subscribe mm -hmm. to that thought most of the time? Or are you guys more cutting things in and masking? Um, it all depends. Um, like on a vinyl house, if it's not oxidized, 
we'll do the water. I mean, we'll use the ram board in between the, the thing and spray and cut in. Um, but if it's oxidized, we tape it off um, right away just for, I don't know if anyone's had to deal with oxidized houses before and repaint one. It's not fun. Um, <laughs> uh, we had to do that. Like my first three months in business, I learned the hard way that oxidization does not let stain come off very easy. And you got scrub marks and just the more you scrub, the more paint comes off. Um, and so we, uh, if it's oxidized, I let the homeowner know, Hey, you got an oxidized house. We got to tape it up. There will be marks from our tape. And they're like, Oh, that's fine. Most of the time, no one has ever had a problem with that understanding that their house is oxidized is that chalky feeling. Um, but for the most part, um, we do the water and Dawn dish soap mask all the way up and down and, and use Ram board in between. I love the Ram board. That makes it easy. Oh yeah. It's so much easier. easier. So, so talking about your rigs and everything a little bit, let's, let's say that Buddy Smith hit the lottery tomorrow and, and you just really wanted to grow your, your staining business and you had money to do it. You had funding. Would you, how would you set it up differently just on the equipment side or, or anything? What would you do different if you had um, a long leash and, and a big pocketbook to, uh, to get started? What would you do different? I'd probably buy a low boy uh, box truck. Um with a ramp that you can roll things out and walk up kind of like those, um, U-Haul ones, um, that are real low to the ground. You get one of those, um, and put a bunch of, uh, tie down stuff on the side where you can hook in clips and whatnot to tie down equipment. Um, I'd probably do that. Um, but other than that, the system I got going right now, it's, it's pretty fail safe. I don't have really much problems. I mean, sometimes we run into not enough space um, or sometimes backing into areas is a little difficult. So the box truck is probably what I would change. I like the box trucks. I don't own any, but we have vans, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. It doesn't take much to, to have a stain business, honestly, tool wise. It doesn't take a whole lot. Mm -hmm. It doesn't take a whole lot. So, so what are you seeing in the market over there in Charlotte? Has it grown? <coughs> so, so two years now, two and a half years, almost three. Mm -hmm. um, I guess this is, yeah, two and a half, almost two and a half. What are you seeing? What's different? What have you learned? That I didn't charge enough when I started. <laughs> um, we're now getting people who we did decks and fences for when I first started. Now we're starting to get the second two and a half year mark and they're wanting it recoded um and restained and clean so uh, we have a minimum for our cleaning of 300 dollars. just if we show up to clean anything it's 300 bucks um it takes 10 minutes it takes an hour it's 300 um and then so what we do as a thank you for returning customers we only charge them 300 and most of the time um people are going to hate me for saying this but i use bleach um to clean the organics off at first um i'm not trying to strip nothing i'm just trying to clean organics and make sure that everything is clean and ready and prepped for the next, the next couple days when we can stain again. Um, so it's very cost effective for the homeowner, for me. Um, and then we can do like three or four fences in a day and we prep them. Like yesterday we did a Brazilian, um, IPE wood, but obviously we did not use bleach on that. We use sodium metasilica uh washed it rinsed it and then ox alic acid it came out real good posted some pictures yesterday on magic of what it does on our uh, instagram and facebook 
but um, we're now seeing our prices that we charge. Like I did a, a deck, it was $850. And I put in pricing now, if I were to do it now, it'd be about $1,800 to $1,900 for the whole deck and rails and everything. And uh, so we're, we're doing that again. So that's, that's fun explaining to customers now that we didn't charge enough and we can't just do what we did before to kind of get our name out there. Man, that's that's hitting close to home. We we're running into that. We got a lot of customers from 2016, 17, 18, 19, and uh, I don't do any of the bidding anymore. Mandy does all the bidding, and she looks at me and she goes, "What were you thinking back then? How did how did you do it?" And it's and it's a problem because you give them. Um, let's just we'll use round numbers. Let's say we charged eight hundred dollars to do a deck five years ago, uh, or a fence in today's cost um, to clean it and stain it might be $3,000. Yeah. Um, you give them the, the family discount because you feel bad because there's such a split of 1800 bucks, and then they just pull their hair out and they go, wow, you're, you're scalping me. This shouldn't cost this much. And unfortunately, you've got customers that pay twice as much. And so that's a that's been a struggle for us is getting the pricing right. So I, I think that was a big issue in the industry. And they still face this in Dallas is, is uh, pricing. The pricing structures were really, really kind of twisted. And um, that's why you don't see $100 million staining companies, but you see $100 million air, you know, air conditioning companies and plumbing companies and construction companies and tile, you know, whatever, garage floors. So I think I think the industry's kind of caught up with, with I think a great term to call it is right-sized pricing. You get yeah. the price. We're, get, we're finally getting the right size pricing, which is enabling people to have good team members and benefits and nice, nice equipment. But that's a struggle, man. I think maybe if anybody's listening and has any um, anything on that, Justin's listening. He maybe he has something. But how do you explain? How do we explain our prices double now? I'm sorry, but yeah. the price is double because the price on everything's double. It's not like it's not like we're the only people whose price has gone up, you know, toilet paper's gone up, potato chips have gone up. Uh, we just can't, we just can't give you less. Like the bag, the chip bag can be half full now. Right. And the price yeah. is double. We got it. You know, they're paying, they see exactly what they get when they work with us. So that's, that's a real struggle. I'm sure other guys are facing that too, but, but it's the way it goes and they're not all going to be our customers. Right. We just have to exactly. get through them all. I used to get real offended if someone didn't accept my, my quote and they went with somebody else because they're cheaper and i'm like okay that's cool <laughs> but then i'm getting some of the customers back now that they went with somebody else I'm like um can you come fix this and now i'm having to fix things and they're like well the price just doubled i'm like yeah we'll have to strip things now um we've kind of gone away from a lot of stripping decks to be honest especially one with vertical vertical uh stuff and it's it's just hard to get it all off because then they got paint and whatnot you're getting on the paint it's hard to mask sodium hydroxide from getting on stuff um you can be as careful as you want but you get a couple spots on there and you're going to be repainting the house yeah uh, and the, and people aren't wanting to pay two grand fifteen hundred dollars to strip a deck and then pay fifteen hundred dollars to stain it or two thousand dollars to stain it either and you can some we I did and I think I learned that about two years ago when it took me about two almost a day and a half to strip one deck and I charged six hundred bucks and I'm like wow I lost a lot of money that day when I could have been doing 
three fences in those two days and profited three grand or more. Well, um, there's there's some jobs that you're just better off to write them a check on the front end and just walk away. You know, it's just unfortunate. That's the way it goes. Yeah. You know, so I now, see a lot of guys that fuss fuss about this thing you're talking about here. But, you know, you have you have big companies, you have medium companies, you have small companies, you have one man shows. There's a lot of people that can't afford four thousand dollars for their debt mm -hmm. to be done but but there's other guys who can go handle that for them i, th I think those people need those people need service as well it's just maybe mm -hmm. not from us it's kind of like when i need a truck i go buy a ford i don't go buy you know a uh, a maserati truck because yeah I, I, but somebody out there is buying a maserati truck so it's just uh, it's the way it goes so I, I got no hard feelings for people that that think our price is too high or whatever it's just it's it's the way it goes and Mm -hmm. You know, that's the way it goes. So I got some comments here. So Justin says he's dealt with that same problem on pricing. He said, we're just being honest and upfront. The cost of materials being higher and wages are higher. Most 85% have been understanding and other 15% will price shop. That's the way it goes. Yeah. That is the way it that's goes. Right. A lot of them that I've had to, that I've dealt with are, like, well, you're the one being recommended to us by so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. We kind of have to go with you. And I said, I said, you can ask them their prices. I said, I said, I'll tell you what I charge them. They're like, oh, they paid that much? I'm like, yeah, they did. And Because they, they, the customers let me tell them. I said, hey, if so-and-so calls, let them know what I charge because they said it, you charge them this much. And I think it's fair. Um, I said, well, you can call your friends and ask them what they think. If they're happy with their products or something like that and their final product that we gave them and they'll call us back probably a week later and say all right we'll go with y'all well and i think i think the beautiful thing about that is something that that we forget as contractors to say is generally speaking you don't get to the next level or the next level or the next level without having some morals and some um values in your company mm -hmm. and you under if if like for me always uh, always if we messed something up or didn't get something right we're gonna fix it yep and unfortunately for me at whatever the expense is mm -hmm. and and so so when you do that if you're willing to do that you 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 understand over time that you know we do make mistakes sometime and we do fix things but and we have to pay for that we have to fund it <laughs> so that's that's kind of the thing it says uh, it's character and people understand that hey it costs money to, to be here we're going to be here for the next 30 years or 100 years and and um you may pay a little more for us but we'll be here for you i think that's important mm -hmm. we had someone call probably about a year ago that we stayed in their fence a year before said, hey there's a little spot missing underneath the runner that i missed we were out the next day and just went up and touched it up and they they thought i wasn't going to show up and when i showed up they're like you actually stand by your word. I said, yeah. I said, yes, yes, ma'am. She goes, okay, well, in two years, I'll be calling you to restain this for me. And it's pretty cool when you get that kind of um, confirmation that you're actually doing the right thing. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but even if you don't get it, it don't yeah. matter. Yeah, mm -mm. that's the way it goes. That's the way it goes, man. What have you noticed different about customers from day one to day uh, what are you on day 700, 800? What, yeah, what's different? Like what is different now? What have you noticed different about the customer? And then maybe talk to us about your, your bidding and your whole, all your processes that, that you've done that, that have made a difference for you. 
I think the difference I've seen is how, because I, I came from being cop and it was my way or the highway sort of thing. Um, I when I came into situations, I controlled everything. Um, now it's more of me listening to what they want and how they want, and then trying to direct them in a way that makes them feel that they're the one making the decisions, I guess. Um, but also in a way that makes them happy um, because it's not just about, I know it's going to be good, but if they want this color on, if they want black with a brown house, that's a new thing right now. I don't know why it is, but they want black, we'll do black. Um, if they want, they want, I, I try not to get people to paint their fences white, but if they do it, I know people will, on we'll be like oh i can't believe you're painting a fence not my fence <laughs> i'm just the contractor i've gave them everything if that's what they want that's what they want they've heard the warnings of me telling them that it's going to hold moisture it's going to rot faster all this kind of stuff it's probably going to bow it's going to crack it's going to peel especially with the humidity out here in, in north carolina um but if that's what they want i'm going to do it i'm going to give them a price and i'll let them know hey i'll give you three months if anything happens within three months i'll come out and fix it after that I can't warranty anything else. Um, and they're like, okay. And they're, that's what they want. Um, if they want it solid deck, I give them a solid deck. It's their choice, not mine. Um, I know people are like, I'll walk away from those kind of jobs. I make a lot of money on those type of jobs. I pay three families worth of food <laughs> a week with those type of jobs. So I don't have a problem doing that. I like, do I like using oil a whole lot better? Yes. Is it easier? Yes. But can I do two-tone solid decks? If you pay for it, I'll do it. Yeah, responsibility. That's the way it goes. Are you are you running most of your jobs as estimates, your quotes as estimates? Are you doing anything to pre-qualify any, anybody? Are you doing over-the-phone bids? Or um, We're doing a lot of over-the-phone bids. Um, they call in or text in and give us their stuff. We'll go get their linear footage off their GIS or or Google Google Earth and measure it that way and let them know, hey, if you accept this bid, it may be plus or minus. If it's less, we'll take it off. If it's if it's like three or four feet, I'm not going to add to the price. I'm not going to be like, oh, mm. here's 32 bucks. Here's $100. I'm not going to, it's not, it's going to take me five more minutes and it's just better. It just makes you look better to say, okay, they're going to eat 10 feet of fence yeah. um, and go from there. So, but there's times when I got to a deck the other day, we, we had the wrong measurements and I got there and she wanted to see colors and I've remeasured. And I told her, Hey, here's the deal. I said, this is, should be $1,900. And I said, we messed up. I said, for me to do this, I'm going to have to charge. I'm, I'm going to split the difference and I'll just add $150 to it. So we don't lose $300. We lost basically a bucket of stain, a little bit, a little bit less than a bucket of stain. And, um, so we did that and went from there and she's like, okay, cool. I get it. It's, I sent you the measurements. It's my fault. She goes, you can charge me a full amount. I said, nope. I said, we didn't come out to measure it and properly like we, like we usually do. And you wanted it over the phone, but this is how I do. And she was cool with it. And then we got her fence after that. <laughs> she goes, you do fences too? I said, yes, ma'am. So then we got 330 feet of fence out of it just because I only, I took a $150 cut on the, on the uh, deck. Yeah. Well, that's the thing I always looked at it as for me personally was uh, for me to, I like to learn from my, my mistakes, but my mistakes have to hurt. So sometimes I go, you know what, 
I should have measured this. It's going to hurt $300 worth or it's going to hurt $1,000 worth, whatever that number is. And to me, I'm very, very hard-headed and stubborn. I just, mistakes had to hurt for me. So I make yeah. them hurt sometimes, even even when you don't have to. So that's yep. the way it goes. I'm, I'm the same way. Yeah. And sometimes we don't learn from our mistakes. I don't understand why. Because <laughs> we don't care. <laughs> We're hard-headed. Who knows? We think what? we know better. Yeah, that's that's what it the way it is. So I think as far as the staining industry goes, um, you would be considered a seasoned professional now, man. You've been doing this for for long enough. You've got crews running. What would you What would you? Um, I don't know if you give me a list or one thing, or can you speak to the guy who's sitting there right now? He's a cop. He's in Kansas City, Missouri, or wherever, and he's thinking about, man, I'm tired of chasing bad guys. I'm ready to, uh, or maybe he's an electrician. Maybe he works as a school teacher, whatever, ready to get out and do something. And they're thinking about this business. What would you tell them? What, what, did, what would you say to inspire them? And then what would you say on the tactical level? Like you need to do, you need to be thinking about this, this, and this, or if I had to do it over again, what would you tell that person? What would you tell you uh, 800 days ago? Man, that's a, this is a lot. <laughs> There's a lot I tell myself. Um, but my fur, my, my, my thing came from a lot of faith. Um, I'm a strong Christian and believer, and a lot of it came from me doing a lot of prayer and, and soul searching and reading the Bible, trying to figure out, hey, because I always felt that I was called to be a cop. And then for a while, I'm like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. Just kind of had a kid and wanted to be home more. And um, this opportunity, thanks to my father-in-law, helped kind of came about and because he owns a fence building business and that kind of what got me started um i kind of had a kind of had a little bit of a cheat of a head start of that because i would basically get all his fences um they'd quote my the fence build and then the stain so i kind of have a head start over others so i can't say i built this from the ground up um on my own um and without without constant prayer i don't think i would still be here because there's day especially every january february i've noticed um i keep a prayer journal and i was reading back in last year and the year before in january february we're slow <laughs> and i'm like you know like what do i do do i start looking for another job do i go back to texas and become a cop again um because it wasn't there and then this year we've been booked except maybe one week we had like only three jobs um but now we're booked through the middle of may um already so that's pretty, pretty humbling to see God come through. But what I would tell the person is talk with your family first. And if you have, if you're, if you're a Christian, you have a relationship with Christ, ask, ask and see if that's what you're supposed to do. Um, Cause not always is that going to be the route you're supposed to go. Um, look at your, then I would say after if that's a yes, look at your market and see what other people are doing. I did. I went out with Mark Abelson and contacted him and he said, be at my house 7 a.m. on a Friday morning <laughs> in the middle of summer, 100 degrees. So I go out there, we meet it and he invites me into his home. Doesn't really even know me from Adam, just knew I was a cop and looking at a job. And we give me some coffee, we talk for an hour, we go out and stay in a couple fences, teaches me stuff, teaches me the market, teaches me costs, teaches me what I need to look for, for materials. So I would say look for someone who's been doing it for a while and has a successful business. 
and see how they do it. See how they talk to their customers, go out on quotes with them. Um, that was one thing Mark did. He took me out on multiple quotes while he's talking with customers. Um, and I just sat there and watched, learned how to talk to a customer. Um, and then I would just kind of count the costs and see what you really need. Um, sometimes you don't need everything that everybody else has. It's very simple stuff. You need a sprayer, you need some back brushes, you need a, a drill to mix your stain, a mixer, some uh, drill, so putting up fence signs, fixing every once in a while, you got to fix a board, put, put a screw in it instead of a nail because it'll last longer. Um, just simple things like that. Just kind of look at what you would want done to yours um, with your fence and see how you would do that and see what you need. Um, count the cost and then make sure it's going to be something you want to do and love to do. Because If not, you're not going to enjoy it. I like it, man. Thank you for sharing that with us. I like that. I think uh, there's, I can, I can kind of almost imagine that feeling of just before you jumped, you know, just <laughs> that, that uh, unknown and, and then looking, cause you can kind of see, I guess you can kind of see if I stay here and I'm, I'm a police officer, I'm a school teacher, whatever. For me, it was a, if I stay in the family fence business, I kind of see what that path is versus if I go through here, I kind of know what that looks like too. And I think we run into those crossroads in our life a lot, but what a difference it makes, you know, to, uh, it sure does. and, and I think, I think we got to understand that, uh, I think you and I are probably about the same age, man. And life, life is short, right? It's, yep. it gets shorter every day. So we gotta, we gotta take the time to do the right thing and get it right. And, and if we don't get it right, be willing to just, all right, we'll do it again. So that's, that's the way that is, man. What, um, what do you think is in store for, so, so you can be honest with me here. What do you, what do you think is in store for the season? 2023, 2024, what are you seeing? Cause I know, you know, you know what the internet and the world says, but what are you seeing? I'm blessed to live in Charlotte, which is kind of still thriving very well. There's certain things that are closing down like, um, small food shops and stuff like that. Um, that were kind of just thriving while it was good when it was good earlier. So the ones that are going to stay in business are the ones that are going to actually go in for marketing and actually talk with customers um, and look in ways. If you're not, if you're not busy, it's because you're not looking hard enough, in my opinion, especially out in this area. Um, there's certain people, there's a couple contractors I know that undercut me. Um, and it's fine and it's the same ones every time because they'll tell me well so-and-so is charging me this so that's fine i said if that's who you want to go with that's that's your prerogative i said this is why i do what i do and stuff like that and they're like oh okay that gives us something to think about and, um like the one who is going to do the the ipe the brazilian hardwood that i did yesterday they were going to have someone do it for about eight hundred dollars less than i was going to do it and I asked them, I said, are they using bleach on your hardwood? They said, oh, yeah, that's what they were going to use. I said, don't use bleach on your hardwood. Please do not use bleach on your hardwood. I said, if I said, if you don't go with me, go with anyone else that isn't going to use bleach. I said, I just don't want this. I said, you it had almost 1,000 square feet of hardwood, so you're looking at a $50,000 deck of IPE just to rebuild. I said, you're not, you can't get it any cheaper than that right now. And they're like, oh, okay. So they asked me, um, 
we gave them a cash discount because they said, we'll pay cash. I said, all right, I'll, I'll give you a little discount. So once we did that, they were good with it. But uh, you just got to remember to keep your head on straight, even when people are undercutting you on purpose. Imagine that the guy who bought the $50,000 deck wants to pay cash. That's oh, I know, goes, right? Isn't it? That's how it goes. Yeah. I, think, I think we have the similar thing here. Our market's strong here in Nashville. And, and um, you know, I've been hearing about these layoffs because it's in the news and uh, companies laying off thousands and thousands and thousands. But I, I think the manufacturing companies that are doing that kind of probably did it to themselves. And, uh, mm -hmm. and, and when I say that, what I mean is, man, prices have doubled since the end of COVID for raw materials, for a lot of things. And uh, why are they still going up? Well, well it, what everyone knows is a lot of huge corporations, they throttled back their manufacturing capacity. They kept, uh, they kept the um, scarcity of their products, which drove prices to the roof. And once the prices go through the roof long enough, everybody just decides we're going to go somewhere else. And so I think on the manufacturing sector, there's a whole lot of that. That's why they're laying off 15,000 people at some of these places. It's just, it's kind of uh, a correction, I think. And I think, you know, with the tech companies, I don't know, maybe Elon Musk has something to do with it. He's making everybody get in line. I don't know, but. But uh, yeah. I think the tech companies are, you know, those, if you know anything about some of those guys in the world they're in, they, it's a lot of fake money, you know, it's a lot of monopoly money. So I think those things dry up. So, but what I yeah. see in Nashville is new homes like crazy. <clears throat> um, mm -hmm. It's booming. It's, um, it's, it's going really well. So I, I am very hopeful. And I think, um, you know, if you live in a tiny town in the Appalachian mountains or in the middle of South Dakota, it may be tough. It may be tougher because, mm -hmm. But uh, but as far as the metros, I think it's going to stay strong. So yeah, so agree. I'm hopeful for I, that. Yeah, I agree with the whole having to lay off people so much. I think the two is they, when it was good, they raised the rates of labor so much that now they can't keep up with it because it's not yeah. as busy. Well, and it was um, a race. It was a race to see who could pay the most too with a lot of these companies. You know, if somebody loses their hundred thousand dollar a year job, um, or didn't lose it, but they had a hundred thousand dollar a year job and then somebody else said well we'll, we'll pay you 125 to work from home and that was just over and over and over and eventually those things catch up and so i think you'll see a correction mm -hmm. just part of it it's the way it goes well man i want to ask you a final question before we go are you mm -hmm. aware I've, i try i try to not make this about our products but i'm going to bring the products in and then talk about one thing after that are you aware of our lifetime warranty the switch mm -hmm. we've made how, what is your understanding of it and how have you used that um, in your business? And, and let me rephrase, lifetime warranty with maintenance plan. Do you see mm -hmm. any, any benefit of that and how are you using it? What do you think it's going to do for you over the next few years? I haven't, to be honest, I haven't read everything about it yet, but I have, um, I, I read part of it. Um, so I'm not sure exactly how it works with the lifetime warranty now. Um, I knew it used to be like that two-year warranty. If it failed within two years or something, you'd we'd you'd send it, send Got out it. whatever we needed for it. But now I haven't read too much of the lifetime warranty. All right. Part. Well, well, let me. That's so. So that's my fault. I'll take responsibility for that. So we'll use this podcast here to kind of get the word out a little more too. Our warranty. So first of all, let's back up. We've we've known for fifty years. You know in the in the coatings world for exterior wood maintenance was required 
every two years, typically on flat surfaces that have traffic and every four years at most on vertical surfaces. And um, that's kind of what they called industry standard. And, and so every, everybody's always preached that. And the problem is homeowners, because marketing is so good at Home Depot and at Lowe's and things like that with these 10 year products, 25 year products, they market very well, but the proof's kind of in the pudding, right? You don't see a, you know, since when has there been a transparent stain you put on a fence that lasted 15 years? It just kind of, kind of doesn't exist. And so, so we really have preached that over the last few years and nobody, nobody gets it. So what we decided to do was we decided to, first of all, we, we, we knew that if somebody, if somebody washed their fence every year to keep just the dirt and debris off, it would look better. Right. Mm-hmm. And it would keep any organic growth off. So, so that was a good thing. We knew if you wash your fence every year, that was good. We knew that the deck would look beautiful forever. If every two years you would just do a light maintenance coat on the flats, that's a given, right? And on mm-hmm. fencing, um, we, we just, we know that a lot of our dark colors and our semi-solids can go four or five years between between coats, but we know on average, if you were to average it out about three years, you need to be looking at that maintenance coat. Um, so if you use 20 gallons of stain, the first go around, you may use seven and a half this, you know, at three years, just for a maintenance coat. So we knew that if, when we knew if people would do that, that the fence is going to look beautiful, the deck will look beautiful pretty much forever. You know, obviously there's exceptions to those rules with clears and exotic hardwoods and things like that. But for the most part, what most people have, those rules fit. So we decided, why don't we just make a lifetime warranty based on that? So it is a lifetime warranty if you follow this recommended maintenance plan. And that's what, that's what the whole, the whole program is. So it's, it's obviously we have no warranty on clear because clear is, is, is a sealer. It's not, it's nothing, but our, for flats, for decks, it's uh it's two year maintenance. Every two years we need to maintenance it and fencing every three years we need to maintenance it. And with yearly washes, if you do those things, um, you'll have a lifetime warranty. And the reason we wrote it that way is one, because it works. And two, is guys like you have a hard enough time getting the job to start with. It's it's even harder to try to sell people on a maintenance plan. And everybody's trying to come up with a maintenance plan and a, you know a, a unique way to charge their customers monthly to uh, take care of them for life. And so we, instead of making it the contractor's job, we're making it the homeowner's job and their responsibility. And so basically as a, as a contractor, if you're using expert wood care, you would, you would say, Hey, we just stained your fence. You now have a lifetime warranty to maintain your warranty. Just like if your car out there, you have to do recommended maintenance. you got to wash it mm-hmm. once a year, which we'll be happy to do for you. We'll even call you and remind you to keep your warranty in check. And you got to do your, your maintenance stain coats, depending on, on what color or whatever, whatever, uh, what it is, fence or duck. And, and so far what we've noticed is that it's, it's been a huge response and people get it and they trust it a whole lot more than just paying some random guy $40 a month forever. You know, it's, it's more of a, Oh, well to maintain my warranty, I've got to do this. And so we've taken the ball out of the, we put the ball over in the customer's court, you know? So, so that's, I think that's going to be the, a big, a big change this year for a lot of people, because this is new. We just released this in February. So I think, um, I think guys like you can use it to your advantage and say, Hey, if you go with us, we do cost a little more, but we do have a lifetime warranty and we'll keep you in tune uh, with the maintenance plan. And so hopefully if the soft, you know, 
there's some kind of software, some kind of reminders we can set. Google Calendar probably, yeah. you know, at the at the nine month mark when January, February rolls around when you're slow, you can call up all those people and say, hey, warranty cleaning is required in the next three months. Let's go ahead and get it scheduled. It's three hundred yeah. bucks. And um, I think that's going to be a big deal. What do you think about that? I like that idea because we've been looking at maintenance plans and whatnot. Like we have Google Calendar where we put them on and call them every year sort of thing. And they have it in our to plan on it. But we've been trying to figure out how to do like a monthly thing, which would be kind of cool. Yeah. The monthly thing's cool, too. And and um, we're doing the citronella oil on a monthly thing for us. Just coming out twice a year, washing, the, you know, blowing the fence off of the leaf blower, getting any debris off spraying mm -hmm. it with uh with citronella oil we're diluting it in water or emulsifying yeah. it in water twice a year um that's that's our plan you know the we're doing that for 39.99 a month and uh and we're doing we're getting um it's early in the year but we're already getting those so and then the warranty the the citronella oil just keeps you keeps us in their backyard until they're ready for us to stay mm -hmm. and then with that warranty we're able to uh stay in their backyard on a yearly basis so yeah, and, been, that's a huge hit with me right now is the citronella oil out here. Everybody's yeah. wanting that. Well, and we're, we've reformulated it to be a lot better. It's a lot more than just citronella oil now. And uh, great for, great for um, pretty much any kind of pest in your backyard, specifically termites. So keep them out of your fence. So the, the idea is if you can't, you just paid $4,800 for a new shadow box fence and you can't afford to have it stained, well, you can afford $39.99 a month. We'll go ahead and put, mm -hmm. we'll go ahead and get the citronella going. That'll keep any bugs off. It's a great anti uh, mold. Um, what is, what do we call it? A mildewicide. It's great for that naturally. And, and of course it's safe for people and pets. Keep maybe make the backyard less attractive to bugs and mosquitoes. And, uh, and because the problem is if they can't afford it when it's new, they, what do they say? Well, I'll call you in the fall. Do they call yeah. you? They forget. If they're nope. paying you $39.99 a month, then you're giving them that constant reminder. Uh, they're seeing that hit their checking account once a month, and then they're seeing you uh, out there twice a year. We know that they're going to call us when the time's right, when they need the service. And that's the same thing the HVAC companies have done. They've done a low monthly fee because they know when your water heater goes out, they're going to call the guy they're paying $39.99 a month to. So, yeah. so that's the hope for us. That's, that's what we're doing. And John asks, do we have paperwork on the warranty? Yes, we do. We have a written warranty and fence signs. Where are we getting them? May advertising, I believe in Houston, that's where we get ours. Where do you get your signs? Uh, I think it's May. Yeah. Could be wrong. You got May uh, group? My father-in-law. Uh, yeah, I think so. I think my father-in-law is one that usually buys them and orders all the stuff for that. Cause he gets the same ones with his champion ones. So I think, it, I think it was May. I could be wrong, but I think that's what it is. You got JC or JG Drury on the West coast too. And uh, mm -hmm. they just, we, we always wanted to work with those guys. They just were, they were a lot more expensive. And, and then the shipping from West coast was just to be, just to be blunt, you know, just to be blunt about it was, was always our issue. And yeah. uh, you know, the sign may, may has a great product and they have uh they have a great um, track record. They don't have the they don't have the kindest. I don't I don't want to say not kind. Their customer service is very transactional. It could be better um, yeah. if they're listening. No one under you don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's one of the, it's definitely a company like that. But they do put out a good product. So mm -hmm. um, signs are important, and uh, that's the way it goes. 
man, I know you got to get to work. You got to go pick up those cases of water. And a quick tip is you can buy a whole pallet of water for like 275 bucks at Home Depot. So yep, that's uh, awesome. take, take care <laughs> of your guys, make sure they got water. I appreciate you coming on, man. I really do. Yes, sir. Appreciate you having me. And I appreciate everybody in the comments who are, um, who are speaking with us. I didn't cover a lot of comments today because I just wanted this to be a conversation, but we did, we did see you and we appreciate your input and uh, we're going to do it again. Um, hopefully next Tuesday, we'll have another guest. I'm going to try to do these every Tuesday and Wednesday. So that's it. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the podcast. We love sharing our information that we've learned over the years here at Stain and Seal Experts. Um, being a, a stain and seal contractor, we've got to have products we can count on and That's why we only use expert professional wood care products. Uh, expert stain and seal and expert cleaners and brighteners really make our job easy. It's something we can depend on. Um, the number one reason for callbacks in wood fencing nowadays is because of warping, twisting, and cracking, and this oil-based formula stops that. And besides that, it's so easy to apply. Any of our guys can do it, and uh, it's just been really a great thing for our company. So check it out. You can get it at the Stain and Seal Experts store, stainandsealexperts.com, and there's tons of dealers all over the U.S. and Canada that carry it. Uh, maybe you should talk to your fence supply house, your paint supplier, or power wash store about expert stain and seal. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to the Stain and Seal Experts podcast. Subscribe to this podcast, leave a review, and check out Stain and Seal Experts on your favorite social media.